Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Drone racing is an adrenaline-packed, colorful, high-speed sport that pits the world's greatest pilots against each other. Flying drones at 90 miles an hour through a first-person view around crazy 3D LED-lit courses built inside, over, and around stadiums and sports arenas around the world. If that brief description is hard to follow... Don't worry, that's why this podcast is here. Today, the 2018 DRL Allianz World Champion pilot Paul Nurk Nurkula of the Drone Racing League joins me to talk about this global sport, how he got into drone racing, winning it all, and everything in between. My name is Tommy Butler, and you're listening to The Ocha. everyone. I'm here with one of the best drone racing pilots in the world today. Nurk, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Paul Nurkula. I fly under the handle or moniker Nurk, which is, you know, pretty, pretty clever considering my last name. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm the 2018 Drone Racing League Allianz World Champion. Now, before we get into the actual sport of drone racing, how did you discover your love for this sport? Yeah, so I had never done anything RC, like remote control, growing up. It's kind of usually kind of ends up being a generational thing, like something you would do with your dad or something. Um, but my dad has really bad depth perception, like one of his eyes pretty much doesn't work. And so like that was never a thing that we would do, right? Like the most like the most that we could do like that was like play catch with a baseball, which is great. And I still love doing it. But um, so it turns out my in-laws, on the other hand, bought me a toy drone for Christmas of 2014, um, just like something that you go to Walmart and pick up. And uh, they just kind of threw it in as a stocking stuffer, like, oh, this will be fun. And, and like that, you know, whatever Christmas Eve or whatever that was that we had it, you know, I just pulled it out, started flying it around the room. And, you know, by the second time I flew it, it's now, how can I challenge myself with this? Can I land it? you know, on this table, can I fly it through that archway, you know, and just quickly, you know, you quickly find like, I got, I got to see how I can get better with this. Um, I broke it probably that <laughs> first night. Um, you know, as you do, you're <laughs> flying something that is not, not going to last. And as a, as a novice, it gets tricky. Um, and so I, I, at the time was a practicing software engineer and I'm like, Hey, I'm kind of an engineer. I should be able to figure out how to fix this. So I went online. I got a, a YouTube university education in uh, fixing drones and along the way found drone racing. Um, I, I, I remember where I was sitting um, at my desk at quote work, pretending to work 
um, watching <laughs> YouTube videos, and I saw this video of these guys flying drones through a forest in France, and I, I saw that, and I, I remember it, this being this distinct moment of, I've got to do that. Like the, this, there is not a, it's not a choice anymore. This is, this is going to be what I do for fun. Um, so fast forward through a bunch of broken drones and uh, a lot of practice and a lot of heartache, and now I fly drones for a living. That's awesome. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So speaking of flying drones for a living, what is a, or can you give me a brief overview of what a DRL race is like? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll start with saying that it's not, there's no, there's no brief way to cover it because it, it ends up being a lot more than you uh, ever would expect. Um, you know, you think about, oh, a drone race, like they just, you know, you just fly your drones, but you know, the drone racing league is, is, is an awesome and huge production. Um, you know, there's 150 people or so on site, you know, running these races, you know, whether they're, um, building drones, setting up the course, running the timing system. Um, you know, we have two, two full production trucks on site that are like creating a live cut in real time so that, you know, not only can, they do a better job of telling the story of that race, which is truly a race. You know, it's we're competing at as 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 high a level as we can, but also to to feed something directly back to fans that are there in person when we can be in person, <laughs> and uh, and and it's, it's it's immense. So you know, for for the pilot or from the pilot perspective, anyway, um, you know, it's usually like a five day ordeal. You know, we'll travel into wherever it is, and and this. For you know, people that are outside of the states, they got to come over. They got to adjust the time. If we're racing, you know, we've raced in in Munich, in London, in um, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, all over the place. Um, and you know, there's there's some travel time. There's some acclimation time. Thank goodness. So we're not like running on fumes by the time we have to fly these drones at 90 miles an hour. Um, but uh, we we have the you know there's there's that there's uh, then we switch into kind of training and practice and we get a chance to walk through the whole course and see where all of the obstacles are going to be so that we can kind of start pre-visualizing the lines that we're going to race so you know this is day two we're walking around the course we're having meetings we're learning about what is was going on we have a chance to walk the course day three we actually start flying um we get uh typically six batteries um we say batteries because a battery could be two laps it could be three laps it could be no laps if you crash <laughs> six batteries of attempts of practice um and uh and then we also go into some uh non non eliminative um ranking sort of rounds that kind of like help set up how the grid is going to look um for semifinals and finals the next day awesome um, yeah and then just to kind of break down how the race structure works we uh we have two um i guess primarily two well let's say let's say three rounds because we have 12 pilots that are competing at every race 
um, all, all 12 pilots compete in a semifinal round and you accumulate points based on where you finish um, and how you finish and all that kind of stuff. And the top three from each round then compete in a final round, again, accumulating points until you get to the very end. Um, and then it's a, it's a heads up race. Everybody's flying at the same time, you know, for that, uh, podium position, um, maybe in front of 4,500 people, maybe just in front of the, the crew, but either way, it's all being recorded for, for live TV later. It, it is uh, the pressure's on, let me tell you. I'm sure. Now with the, uh, toy drones that most people get at Walmart, as you were saying, the, like the way that you fly them is by just sort of watching as they go and trying to interpret which way is forward. So you don't flip it over immediately. Uh, but for the DRL, you have those goggles on for first person view. Mm -hmm. Do you have to get used to that or is it very intuitive once you put them on? Yeah. So, so you're talking about, we, we wear these goggles over our eyes that let us see from the perspective of the drone and each pilot wears it. So it's like, we're kind of putting ourselves into the drone. It kind of becomes this like out of body experience where, you know, your body is in one place, but your, your whole brain, your whole focus is somewhere completely else. And it could be, you know, hurtling down the halls of a stadium or flying down the side of a building as part of a race course with six other people or five other people trying to you know, get us, get past you as fast as they can. Um, but so sometimes, or I, you know what I would say on average, people find that it's easier to fly the drone from FPV because so for example, when you're flying at line of sight, when you're just looking at the drone in the air, um, when you turn the drone around and then the nose of the drone is pointed back at you, all of your controls reverse right? So like as soon as it's coming towards you to go right, you have to turn the stick left. Um, and, and so that there's some mental gymnastics that have to happen there to get it to fly line of sight really well. When you're FPV, your perspective is always the same relative to the drone. So for me, when I was getting started, I actually found it much easier to fly first person view than line of sight. Um, I've heard people say that 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 they totally disagree with that and they've had that the other way. I think there might be some uh, correlation between like people that played a lot of video games and FPV versus people that didn't have much video game experience for line of sight. Um, but uh, I haven't done enough uh, like hardcore research to tell you one way or the other, but I would say on average people say FPV is a little bit easier to get used to. Interesting. Uh, and now, yeah. And maybe just to add on top of that, like um, one of the things that people, you know, the first time you try FPV, whether you're flying or riding along, like you can kind of tune two goggles into the same drone so you can kind of experience what I'm experiencing as I'm flying is that they need to lean against something or sit down because it kind of is like, oh, this is a little bit weird. And people always ask me like, um, can you, how can you do this while standing? And, and I, I think I, I, I say like for a long time, I couldn't stand it took I had to practice like not like kind of like leaning back and forth and kind of like shuffling around like and like getting off balance you know when the drone goes upside down or super sideways or something like that you know uh, so it, it it took a little bit of getting used to in some degree but it uh you know it, it comes naturally once you you know get a couple practices at it I'm sure when you're standing standing up and then your drone goes vertical at 90 miles an hour flips around and goes right back down you can get some vertigo <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I, I really I like to go fly like in the mountains and I'll often find myself in a 
you know, a somewhat precarious place trying to get the best like reception and signal that I can. So I'll move close to an edge. And it's at that point where I'm like, all right, we're going to sit down. We're not going to blind our blindfold ourselves <laughs> over the edge of a, of a precipice here. Um, and I always make sure that I've got somebody else with me that can grab me if I do something stupid, but yeah, you know, it's, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely you, you pay, but like I said about the it being an out of body experience, right? Is you stopped you stop remembering what your actual physical body is doing, and you start thinking about what the drone is doing, and that's really really powerful. But also at the same time, can be a little disorienting. I'm sure. Uh, speaking of a little bit ago, you said that there's a lot of nerves, especially when you're uh, racing in front of a crowd. What? How do you prepare for a race? How do you get in that uh, nerk mindset? I uh, saw the video where you talk about the difference between Paul and Nurk, how do you uh, find that that right mindset? Yeah, I was I was going to bring that up as part of that. Um, so you know, my name is Paul Nurkula, but I have also kind of been developing this kind of competitor mindset that is Nurk, and it and it helps me with this this need to like switch on that competitive mode. Um, I think a lot of some people need to be like calmed down when they're facing nerves, right? And some people I think need to be amped up. And I think I fall into that that separate category. And if I have something that I can rely on, where I can kind of like switch on that competitive nature, switch on that that uh, that that drive, that winner's mentality, um, that having that like I, I kind of call myself as going into you know, becoming Nurk, stepping into Nurk's shoes instead of being just just Paul Nurkula, you know. Um, but yeah, so for for me that the the race preparation starts um, like a you know a month before we compete. Um, so you know if I know that we have a race on X date, I'm going to set aside a month or so ahead of that race to start training, well, or to continue training, I should say, um, to train in earnest. Um, and what happens is I you know I basically th- that becomes my full time job, and I will get up about 9am every morning. Um, I'll be at the field, uh, you know, wherever I'm training that day. Um, from about 10am to about eight or 9pm. Um, and I'm going, the goal is to fly as many timed laps as I possibly can. And my goal is to always see that timed lap decrease throughout the day. And whatever I'm flying, whatever course I've set up for the day, is going to try to mimic different elements of drone racing courses that allow me to improve on each of those types of obstacles so that when I get to an event, I have now kind of pushed Paul out of the way and let Nurk, which is really just my muscle memory, kind of take over and and do those obstacles and those things that I've practiced at the highest performing level, which is when I'm not thinking about it, when muscle memory takes over, when Nurk is on the sticks. Then, um, you know, when I'm done for the day, uh, I, I like to get a quick run in. Um, at that point, it's usually dark, so I got to go to the gym, which sucks, and run <laughs> on a treadmill. Uh, but then, uh, then I come back um, and I go right into repairs. Uh, you know, when you're flying these drones that go zero to 90 miles an hour in less than a second, that's, you know, a thrust to weight ratio of like one to eight or eight to one, where like a F1 car is like five to one. Congrats, Max Verstappen on your win today. Um, and the, you have to, and so these drones inevitably get destroyed because I'm pushing as hard as I can, especially in practice. I'm, I'm not as worried about crashing because I want to be pushing the limit to the absolute. And 
Uh, so I usually stay up until like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., fixing drones all night and then <laughs> fall asleep, start the whole thing over again at nine the next morning for a month. Um, and then, uh, yeah, if we get to the, the race weekend um, or week or whatever it is. Uh, usually on the flight in, wherever that flight ends up being to, I have a selection of movies that I choose from. Um, one of them being Talladega Nights. Uh, another is uh, Ron Howard's Rush. Um, uh, also any any kind of racing movie that kind of like starts amping up that you know do or die, gotta win, uh, gotta go fast, like that mentality, and just kind of start hyping that up, right? Um, so is Sonic the Hedgehog going to be on there soon? I don't know. I, I like the <laughs> racing, like the car racing aspect of that. Like there's like that kind of heritage, the history, that kind of so. But uh, Sonic definitely has the right attitude. That's for sure. Got to go fast. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, that's a uh, Ricky Bobby as well. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> the uh, but then um, you know morning of a race, uh, I I get a run in in the morning to try to just kind of get everything flowing. Um, typically, we shoot at night. Um, because uh, the drones are all lit with LEDs, which looks awesome, but really only in the evening time when, you know, if we're in an outer, outdoor stadium or a stadium that has lots of windows or a venue that is like that, you know, we need to basically start shooting at 9 p.m., uh, which means we might be shooting until 3, 4 in the morning. Um, so typically we've already been working on changing our, our sleeping schedule over, uh, trying to sleep in as long as I can, um, you know, and then, you know, the race morning starts and then you know i get to site i try to not worry too much about what my competitors are doing um you know get some music going just start getting in the zone um tons of visual visualization practice um you know but before we ever have to fly the uh the the tech ops team will have provided us um footage from the course they'll fly the course line and give that to us so we can start seeing okay this is where i'm going to hit this apex this is my clipping point for this turn this is where you know where my quote breaking zone even though there's no brakes on them you know um or i'm going to you know if i'm going to do this obstacle to go from low to high i'm going to flip over or i'm going to do a roll or whatever that is and i'm going to start memorizing those things so that you know basically before i've ever flown the drone on the course I have practiced that course in my brain, um, you know, thousands of times, um, you know, all of that kind of leads up to the race moment. And then at that moment, as soon as you take off, everything clicks off. It's just NERC and muscle memory taking over. I'm trying to stay out of it as possible because there's no room for nerves. There's no room for shakes when you're moving 90 miles an hour and all you have to control it is are these tiny little sticks in your fingers. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's a whole lot of buildup for just that one moment. And, uh, in, in that moment you want to be as, you know, present as possible, meaning you're not thinking about anything, but I'm going to win this race right now. And so all that work is for a one lap or one race is a minute long. Uh, yeah, typically we aim for about 90 seconds for a heat, but yeah. Yeah. So, Wait, uh, is that true? No, more like it's more like 110, but yeah, somewhere around, yeah, yeah a minute yeah. to, uh, yeah, 100 seconds. What are you thinking about as you're racing, or are you thinking, or is it just total straight muscle memory? Uh, brain turns back on once the uh, drone hits the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. the The goal is always to not be thinking. Inevitably, because we're humans, you know, thoughts get in there, and you start thinking about stuff. Like if you're behind somebody you know, you, you kind of add in some extra factors of, okay, I gotta, you know, I can't be right behind another drone because 
unlike with other car, like with like NASCAR, a slipstream doesn't help. You dirty air makes it makes you have less grip, so you have to kind of push off to the side and get around them that way. Or, um, you know, if I, I one of my biggest downfalls, I think, is like once if I get into the lead. Um, I kind of get a little excited. I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. And then somebody gets in front of me and I go, oh wait, I got to focus again. You know, that, uh, so, you know, you, some of those kind of, those thoughts kind of creep in, but again, your goal is to push everything out and just let the, the muscle memory that you've practiced in practice and in visualization take over and push you to the absolute limit. So, uh, how you mentioned earlier that while you're practicing, you're uh, crashing a lot because you're really trying to push it to the limit. Uh, how often are there crash outs during official races? That's a great question. I bet there's some stats that we could officially pull on that, but um, I would say quite. It, there's the crash crash percentage is pretty high, so we're flying at the absolute limit on three dimensions, and there's no like bodily danger so you don't hesitate to you know go for that gap or anything in, in the same way that you would in traditional racing for example um so i would say that probably um you might have one or two crashes every heat um sometimes more sometimes none um i think i've seen it happen where only one person finished i don't think i've i don't can't remember a race where nobody finished though it might have happened um and then a lot of times where everybody finishes and those are those can be the worst if you're like in the in last you kind of like hope like you know, i hope that my competitors are going to crash because then <laughs> you know that i that it's it's easy positions gained right um of course so but there sometimes you know you everybody finishes you're like oh man that was a great race but why'd you all have to finish <laughs> uh what is the worst crash out that you've seen or been a part of that you can remember Ooh, so i'm gonna answer that in two different ways Sounds so good. the worst crash out in terms of just like raw destruction um there's a, a a heat in season three this is the 2018 season at our event called adventure dome which took place at uh, circus circus in las vegas we raced in the theme park adventure dome um and uh jaws was flying um, one of the competitors um also local here to indianapolis so shout out uh and there's this light pole that was just over top of like where um the the cockpit was the cockpit is where we fly from and he was in this like this neck and neck battle for the finish and they were both going full out. So 90 miles an hour and Jaws just bipped this metal light pole right over top of the cockpit and his drone, like we have nets over top of everything. So everything is perfectly safe, but his drone just obliterated. Like it was there one second and the next second it was completely gone. There's little plastic bits like falling from the sky. And <laughs> I, I think the, the GoPro, cause we all, all of the drones have GoPros in it so that we can record the GoPro fell and landed on top of the net. And when we reached up and pulled the GoPro down into the cockpit and like talked to it, I, you, you can see all this. I'm, I'm sure there's even like a single uh, YouTube clip of just this, that moment because we're just like, and, ah, you shouldn't have done that buddy. Like talking to the GoPro right in front of us and, and like tossing it around the cockpit, making fun of him. Uh, but yeah, that was, I think that was the biggest single, just like decimated drone that I, I could remember. 
I think um, that is in a video because I was watching, there were a couple of biggest crashes videos that the mm -hmm. DRL has put out. And yep. that, I believe that was one of them. Yeah. Because you yeah. jump up and grab it from the net and then yeah. uh, Jaws is sitting there kind of dejected and you're all making fun <laughs> of him about it. <laughs> you you got to have a good attitude with, you know, it was a great race. It was like, but it was, it was the last second too. Like there were, they were like 20 feet from the finish gate. And I, I can't remember if he was in first or like, or if he was winning or losing that battle, but it was just like, oh my gosh, we're like, where, where'd it go? It's gone. Okay, so I'm cutting in here. Hi, this is Tommy while editing. So I watched a ton of DRL footage and highlights before this interview, and I was so excited that I knew the moment Nurk was talking about when we were talking about the crashes. So I went to watch it again, and I have some huge news. We were talking about two different crashes. So Nurk is right. There was one at the Adventure Dome where Jaws disintegrates off a light post. You can see that for yourself on the DRL's top 10 crashes of all time. That's the video title on YouTube. It's number one, by the way, in that video. The one I'm thinking about, though, where Nurk is actually the one who goes and grabs the GoPro is a crash by Shaggy, a different uh, pilot, in 2019, a year later at Twin Cities. That footage can be found in the video top 10 crash or top crashes of 2019 on the DRL's YouTube page, number six, by the way. What are the odds of two separate crashes sending GoPros into the cockpit? Apparently higher than I would have guessed. Crazy. All right, back to the interview. I can't imagine the sound, especially if you have your uh, goggles on and you just hear an explosion above yeah. you. <laughs> it, it can be surprising, especially if there's like something metal there, like um, in uh, in leon's field in uh, minneapolis there was uh metal bleachers above where we were sitting and so like the drone would crash above us and then it would fall onto the bleachers like you know 20 feet above our head but it's all covered and it just goes bang bang, bang, bang. i mean somebody <laughs> somebody even um like spilled their coffee like hot coffee onto like the guy next to them and they thought they were on fire and it was just like this, <laughs> this hilarious combination of uh uh, it, it just it felt like something out of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm or something. <laughs> it's just like, did that really happen? That's but great. then in, in terms of like worst crash where like it had the biggest impact on a season, um, the a couple I could think of were um, in uh, in the championship race uh, for the 2018 season when I won. Um, Gab 707 had a big crash. Um, you know, he was running in second place, uh, right behind me and just smashed into a gate. So like, you know, that took him from, you know, potentially winning the season to third in the season right there, just in that one moment. Um, and then I could think of one, I remember being, we were all like totally shocked by it. Uh, cause, uh, uh, Vanover was winning the golden heat for, I think level four of 2019. And he had a, a huge margin. Like he is just one of the most consistent pilots, extremely fast, extremely competitive. And uh, he was, he probably had two seconds out front of the next closest person who was Gab 707. And he just crashed. He just, just randomly floated into a, a, a railing or something like that in, in the last heat. And there were four other people in the air. And so he went from a healthy first place lead all the way back to fourth place in this like one moment where we're all just like, did that just happen? Like, you know, so, you know, in terms of not necessarily that was the biggest destruction of a drone, but in terms of like biggest impact on in a single moment, like that was, that was pretty shocking for all of us. I'm sure. 2020 has been the year of things that are completely out of your control, but there's one thing you can control, and that's manscaping. 
our sponsors at Manscaped, are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light, so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It's got a four-piece luxury nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and includes tipped tweezers, round-pointed scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium-grit nail file. On, uh, you'll find a lot of stuff on their website at manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, in fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair. That's armchair, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R at manscaped.com. That's one-fifth of the price off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code armchair and finally take some control over 2020. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So we also talked about that uh, this is a in-person sport. You have fans come to some... uh, some of the races, but there's also sort of an esports aspect to it. And in times like these, mid 2020, sports have been shut down. A lot have been struggling to come back. But the DRL doesn't necessarily have that problem, thanks to the simulator. Uh, how has that helped you and helped the sport over the last five months? Yeah. Um, well, I, can, can I talk about it over the course of five years and of course five months? Um, so. So as like you're saying, we we've developed this you know one to one copy of reality in the simulator. Like right? so, we take we took they took drones to uh, a motion capture lab in I think uh, Atlanta um, at a university down there, and like got as much data and information and wind tunnel information and stuff off of the drone and how it flies and how it responds to changing air currents and all this kind of stuff so that they could compile that into physics that they can pull into a video game. So this, this game then is essentially a a physics simulator that we can now fly to compete on the same courses that we have already competed on in the past. So, you know, any, any fan, any competitor that wants to compete on one of the races that the DRL world championship was hosted on, can go fly that course in a one-to-one representation with it. So first of all, pretty freaking cool, pretty fun. Um, but then it's also become a, a feeder for the series, right? Uh, we can put out a competition online, purely online, and have competitors compete on the Drone Racing League simulator and become IRL or real life or um, in-person competitors 
just through competing on the simulator. Um, and I think we've gone, we've had three now DRL sim champions. First was Jaws, who we were talking about a second ago. Second was Fluxy, who I think finished second or third in the, the no, fourth in the world championship this last year. And then uh, this year we've added Amari, um, who has been an absolute dominant force on the, uh, on the sim. So we'll see what he does in real life. Um, so, you know, over the course of, you know, the last three, four years, having that, you know, gamer to competitor, um, feeder has been awesome with the, the drone racing league simulator. And then like you're saying in these last five months of, uh, you know, mid 2020s with the, the weird stuff we've got going on, um, it allows us to continue to train even when we can't go out and be somewhere where, when we can't. Uh, when, when we have to be social distancing and staying away from other people and stuff like that, it has the ability for us to compete on actual DRL Allianz world championship courses um, and continue to push our skills and training and, and create uh, compelling, competitive, exciting racing for our fans. I wanted to jump in here again to mention that I was told that all the pilots in the 2020 DRL Sim Cup generously agreed to donate their winnings to Direct Relief, which provides PPE to frontline workers. I just thought that was awesome. Shout out to all of them. And so you've also been using, uh, or recently you've been work using the simulator uh, to help coach people who might want to get into this sport through the uh, flight school content that mm -hmm. uh, the DRL has been putting out. Would you mind explaining some... Uh, about the flight school. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of our biggest partners at the Drone Racing League is the United States Air Force. Um, and they asked us to basically create a course where we teach anyone, um, basically like a 201 level uh, course on how to kind of continue pushing your skills as a competitive drone racer. Um, and so we did this you know, whole long series that is currently airing. Um, I think we've gotten, I think five episodes are now posted of either six or seven. Um, and we will go through like different things, like how camera tilt affects the angle attack of a angle of attack of the drone or how to take an apex of a, like the, you know, the fastest way through a turn, not just in two dimensions, like you would in a car, but also in the third dimension with the ability to go up and down. Um, you know, and, you know, we go through all these different topics and kind of explore them and kind of give, you know, tips and things to practice for people to get better at drone racing once they've kind of got interested in competing. Now, uh, what is, we've talked a bit about your practice routine, but, uh, I'm sure a lot of it has been in real life as well as in the flight, the flying simulator. How many hours do you have on the flying simulator on steam? Ooh, I would have to look at the actual number, but it's definitely 500 plus hours <laughs> at least. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's so great, like, especially right now, um, uh, to be able to jump on with, you know, Jet, the two time world champion and Amari, the sim champion and, um, you know, all of my friends from friends and competitors and, you know, wh whether that's, you know, to be really hardcore and race as hard as we can or to kind of like, you know, goof off and race which is still good practice because really the only way to get better at competing is to compete um and you know, like stream it a little bit like so like people could kind of come in and you know make make fun of us for crashing and you know and we definitely rib each other like you know we we're hardcore competitors but we're also not afraid to you know throw throw out a couple jokes about how each other is flying usually 
uh usually i'm the butt end of those jokes these days but um it's uh it's a good time it really is do have you become really good friends with the other pilots in the drone racing league yeah absolutely i mean the so you know racing is uh in my mind a precision sport it's about doing better than your previous best um and if you're not and if you're chasing after someone else's best, you're doing yourself a disservice um, because you're aiming for something that is higher or lower than what you are capable of achieving. And so, you know, while we compete against each other as hard as we can, I think our primary competitors for every single one of us is ourself. Um, you know, it's, it, it, I am always there you know, I'm racing against Jet and Gab and Vanover and Fluxy, but, you know, the person that I'm trying to best the most is Nurk. Um, as a result, you know, we all have this camaraderie and that we're basically fighting the same common enemy ourselves. <laughs> so, you know, so it, that kind of, that kind of grounds, you know, breeds the opportunity for you to become good friends. And yes, while we are friends, we won't hesitate to, try to win against each other but we're friends because we are you know sharing this goal of becoming better than we already are sharing this um you know our passion with the world um and and giving you know and, and making a show and having some fun so you know if we all hated each other like i don't know if it would be as fun as if i could you know throw a good jet jab at jet once in a while or make fun of the way vanover walks you know because we are friends <laughs> of course uh, is there, so you were in multiple competitions before making it to the DRL, uh, and being one of the top pilots, is there a difference between a smaller or what's the difference between a smaller competition and, uh, being, knowing that you're on camera and you're, uh, making basically a TV show for, uh, the DRL? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first thing I want to say is just, you know, with, with the Drone Racing League, it's a stock series, a spec series. I think technically it's more stock than spec because it's, we all have the exact same drone. Um, and in no other series that I've competed in, um, professionally anyway, uh, has it been exactly stock where we're getting the exact same drone with the exact same batteries at the exact same voltage, you know, all this stuff um, where, you know, we're racing the exact same thing. Other series are a little bit more open um, in terms of like the types of equipment that you can bring and use. And I wouldn't say it's less competitive, but it definitely changes the strategy and the process you go through to compete. So it, so I, I can't exactly say like that there's the, the biggest difference is that it is a spec series that we're, you know, filming for TV and, and is, it's this competition that's built around everything being identical and the only differentiator being pilot skill and whether you were able to let Nurk fly instead of Paul, like that's the, that's the biggest difference to me. Um, now that being said, the pressure changes very dramatically when you consider that you know not only do you have to fly this machine that goes zero to 90 miles an hour at you know in less than a second and is extremely fast and extremely hard to control and compete against six other people at a time um, not to mention that there are more or less other competitors that you have to worry about you know <laughs> for money for you know in my case you know like I have my wife and uh, a baby on the way and stuff like that where like you know like my career is on the line 
<laughs> you know, this sort of thing is uh, it that adds up the pressure. But now let's shove a camera in your face. Let's put a mic on you. Let's have a couple lights up here. Let's have some producers over in the corner, you know, asking you questions between heats. Like, why did you mess that up so badly this last round? And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not being fair to them. Like they're, they're just trying to kind of, you know, develop the story, but you know, now there's so much more added on top of just competing that, you know, it becomes this pressure plate for like oh i've got to stay focused i gotta stay in the zone it, it, it gets it gets much more intense i think I, I i think i'm always excited to see the sim competitors come in and experience that race for the first time because it you kind of see that deer in the headlights of like oh that's what i've got myself into as a sports journalist like i played sports growing up but never to the point where i had people interviewing me and it was always like when I would interview college students and things about uh, right after a game, how are you feeling at this moment? I was always so nervous that I was like making them feel bad about some moment. So mm -hmm. I, that's why I laughed when you were talking about the producers and all the mics and all that pressure is that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, how can I make this as <laughs> the smallest amount of like disappointment and difficulty as possible? Well, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, I kind of like that part of the, the, I guess the game, I don't know, is like, is coming up with a co coherent thought and, and relatable thing in that moment, right? Because not only do I want to compete, but I want to kind of be this character, I want to have fun with the, the moment. And, and so, you know, not only do I want to just give an answer, like, oh yeah it was bad i crashed on turn four it's like i you know i want to dive in and just be like you know i didn't see vanover coming around the corner right there and i had to make sure that i dodged to the left because i knew that this was on the line and you know and that becomes something that's more fun engaging and exciting and like you know as much i, I love the racing on one side but i've also kind of grown to love the you know the spotlights a little bit too not not just when i do well but also when i fail like you know when i when i absolutely blow it you can have some fun with that too. And like, and that's, I, I think that's part of creating a show that people want to see and um, you know, not to take away from the, the racing, which is, you know, extremely competitive and extremely fun, but you know, adding the, the story on top of that, I think makes something um, awesome and something really fun. And that's a great, uh, a great like mindset to have going into something that big absolutely yeah i i think you know you look at any form of racing um a lot of forms of pro sports like you know you're not going to win every time you're not going to win every race you're not going to uh win at every game um but how you carry yourself on the court through the field on the racetrack um and and the the narrative that you create is just as important i think as the the stats and the the victories and everything like that Awesome. What are some of your most fond career memories and highlights? Yeah. Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so I'm going to answer, you know, the, those highlights, um, in, in a couple different ways. Um, one of them being like statistics and like, you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I won the, the 2018 world championship of drone racing, which is, you know, amazing. Like the highest, you know, you could hope to achieve in, a sport like that is a, a phenomenal and that, and that was on my third year which is just mind-blowing to me well really my second year I guess second year competing um and uh you know like the I remember 
you know, with all of, we talked about like the work and the effort that goes into getting ready for an event like that. Um, you, you take that, that level of effort over three seasons worth of competing and practicing and planning and spending, you know, dollars and relationship dollars and, um, you know, all of that. And, you know, it's all chasing after that one singular goal and, and you achieve that. And, you know, I remember that, that overwhelming feeling of relief. I had never experienced anything like that where, you know, at that moment you can just let it all out. And, you know, everything, all of the effort that you've been putting out has been instantly validated, right? You're no longer, you know, like, Oh, I lost this or I didn't, you know, the practice that I did didn't matter. Like, no, in that moment, everything was immediately worth it. And to like, to me, you know, not only was that, you know, statistically, I guess, like the highest achievement um, of my career, but also like, you know, emotionally, like it was, it was it, I don't know if that makes any sense, but like you just at, at that moment, it's just oh, that, that immediate feeling of relief was, was incredible. Awesome. Yeah. And definitely I, I get that. Um, but then like other things stand out, like, you know, being a part of the drone racing culture has brought me a lot of different opportunities that I never would have expected. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, traveling to Iceland just to fly drones with some friends, or, um, I went to Sw- the Swiss Alps with Gab 707 after our race in Germany. Um, or, uh, I went on vacation with my wife to the Dominican Republic. And, and I remember I don't speak any Spanish, um, but I, like, I just had posted to Instagram that I was there and like three or four people were like, Oh, you got to come out and fly with us. Like, it'd be really, really fun. And I, I remember just finding myself at, at a, a little coffee shop in, uh, the Dominican surrounded by like 20 people. I didn't know any of them except for the one guy who invited me. I didn't really know him and they're all speaking Spanish and having a good time. And I'm just sitting there like, this is awesome. Like I don't <laughs> have to share any kind of background with these, these guys and, and girls other than the fact that we've all gone through that same narrative of, oh, I got interested in drones. I broke a bunch. I, I had to <laughs> fix them. They weren't working when I wanted them to. And, you know, and going through that, the whole shared narrative brought us closer together as humans, even though we didn't speak the same language, you know, and, and so, and especially in like weird times like this, like it's, you know, something that can bring people together, no matter your age, race, color, language um something like drone racing that that i would almost value even higher than the world championship because it's it's given me the realization that you know continuing down the path of you know creating content around drone racing and competing in drone racing and stuff like that brings people together in ways that i never would have expected um like there was this uh, one time a fan reached out one day and said hey like uh i I was riding my motorcycle one day and I heard your voice in someone else's car because you were on a podcast. And now that dude is my best friend and we fly drones together all the time. And I'm just like, you know, those sorts of things um, that are, that bring people together. I mean, I value even higher than, you know, that, that world championship and that that's something that continues to just absolutely blow my mind. So if anyone's out there interested in getting into drone racing, would love to have you be a part of it because it's, it, you know, finding a niche, finding something that you can share interests with other people in that way, um, I think will potentially help develop lifelong friendships that, um, 
that are extremely powerful. So that's really incredible. Uh, speaking of, do you have any advice or things you want to say to someone looking or just now learning about the DRL, maybe interested in learning how to fly? Yeah, I do. Um, get the sim. And I'm not saying that because uh, Melanie is listening. <laughs> I'm saying that because I went through so many broken drones. I don't, we're not on video, but I have a wall of shame um, where I have put nails in the wall and hung broken drone carcasses on the wall. And they are uh, innumerable. Uh, because when I started flying, there wasn't a sim and I could have just bought a $40 controller and a 10 to $20 game and crushed as many virtual drones as I wanted to before <laughs> I ever had to fly a real one. And, uh, so that is my absolute first advice to anyone that's interested in drone racing, because you will save a lot of heartache and a lot of headache by learning how to fly virtually first. <laughs> <laughs> very smart. Very smart. Uh, do you have any other projects that you're working on or places online that people can find you? Yeah. So not only do I compete with drones uh, professionally in the drone racing league, which, um, you know, has been awesome. And one of my favorite things in the world, I also spend a lot of time creating content on YouTube. Um, uh, if you go to the URL nerk.tv, you'll get forwarded along to my, uh, uh, YouTube, which is all about, I've got tutorials, reviews, vlogs, flight videos, stuff like that. I try to put stuff up there a couple times a week when I'm not super busy traveling. Um, and, uh, if, if you don't learn something there, I'll be able to find, uh, the person that you need to learn something about drone racing. So that would be, I, I would love to have you guys check that out. Awesome. And that's N U R K TV dot TV. Yep. Fantastic. Well, Nurk, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Tommy. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Like, uh, I, I have to say that I am a huge fan of what you guys are doing. Um, the, the Ocho is a, a great uh, throwback to, I think, the movie Dodgeball. Is that the yes, reference? Indeed. Yes, and indeed. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was talking to my buddy uh, in Minneapolis um, over the week about um, that I was coming on this podcast. And he's al he has also got a background in sports reporting um, in baseball primarily. And, uh, he's like, that awesome. is a phenomenal idea. And I definitely agree with him. I I'm excited to tune in and listen to other, uh, sports that you got coming on. Um, especially in the, the other, the countless niches that you can find. So I'm excited for you and what you're doing here. Well, thank you very much. And if you have any ideas for sports, uh, that you want me to cover, let me know and I'll try to find somewhere. <laughs> oh, I have, I've got some leads for you then. Sounds great. I would love that. Thanks again to Nurk and the Drone Racing League for joining me on this podcast. Again, you can find Nurk at NurkFPV on the socials and Nurk.tv, that's N-U-R-K TV, in your URL browser. I also highly recommend checking out the Drone Racing League at the Drone Racing League on Facebook and Instagram and at Drone Race League on Twitter. They also have a great YouTube channel that we referenced a couple times during the podcast. It's full of highlights and cool behind-the-scenes views of how the DRL works. Also, check out hashtag DRL for more Drone Racing League news. Plus, as Nurk mentioned, if you want to try your hand at drone racing yourself, you can find the Drone Racing Simulator on Steam for just $10 at the moment. I'd love to hear any ideas you have for niche sports and athletes I should reach out to for an episode, so send me a DM at Butler on the Air Online. I'm excited to hear your ideas. It would also help the podcast a ton if you subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and left a review, especially on iTunes. 
Each review helps get the show into new ears, and I'd greatly appreciate your 30 seconds of help. Until next time, I'm Tommy Butler, and you've been listening to The Ocho.